Support for Waveform comes from Anthropic. So looking for an AI solution for a business, it might be time to check out the Claude 3 family from Anthropic, your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. So whether you're powering a customer chat experience or doing complex R&D or need advanced analysis, Anthropic can help provide you with frontier intelligence. So if you're looking for speed, power, or anything in between, the Claude 3 family offers AI models for a variety of tasks and budgets. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Waveform Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Marquez Brownlee. And I'm Andrew Manganelli. And uh, maybe you weren't expecting us back today, but we're back. Hmm. So we got a little Waveform update. Typically, you've heard us roughly twice a month, every two weeks, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. We're planning on upping the, vi- the the schedule a little bit to about three times a month. That's the new plan. Mm-hmm. And we'll see how it goes. But uh, I think basically the plan is we want to have a couple more interview type discussion type episodes with guests they've been really good yeah and they've been fun and we've done some of them like inside of our main episodes which is cool but breaking them out into their own episodes so we can we can shoot them we can record them whenever we want and then have them on uh, their own episode yeah fun we've had a lot of requests for an episode every week and you know this was our first year doing it that was a little much for us we were we like to plan the episodes out a little longer. So this is kind of one step closer to that. Not quite yet, but we realized with interviews, we could potentially record them ahead of time and have kind of a backlog of them. So I I think that'll help us get you guys more content. I have so much respect for those who do like a regular weekly podcast. It's crazy. And I know Joe Rogan, like that's mainly all he does, but Uh his frequency of podcasts, when you look at it is insane. So especially considering how long they are. Yeah. It's not like we're trying to get to that level. That is the (laughs) ace of, of podcasts. But you know, if we can, if we can do a little bit more, uh, guest stuff, I think that'll be fun and we can do more of it. Sure. So that's what's happening. So yeah, this is just uh, us getting used to the more regular schedule, so I hope you don't mind a little extra waveform for you this week. <laughs> uh, in this episode, we, we will do the typical recap stuff, so we'll talk about uh, Surface Duo, Nope 20, <laughs> a little little red Komodo, but we also have some other stuff that came out this week, but uh, I want to start with content we liked, yeah. actually, and I think the thing I'm looking at is, so you, you've heard of David Blaine, right? Of course. David Blaine is sort of in the the Hall of Fame of illusionists and magicians and stunt people alongside, let me see, I'd say Harry Houdini, but you probably also put like the Chris Angels yeah, in I there. Yeah, Chris Angels, the closest to compare him to of like today's. Right. It's like that weird magicianist slash illusion. He's a performer. Uh, yeah, performer, I think is the best way, because not everything teller. he's doing is, yeah, Penn and Teller is like all magic though. David right. Blaine, some is just like, 
pure endurance stuff that you just don't think is humanly possible. Well, that's that's the theme. Is he yeah. does he does a pretty regular cycle of like these crazy stunts. He was buried alive in a clear coffin under like hundreds of gallons of water mm-hmm. in New York City for like a couple three, days three straight days, with I no think, food yeah. and water. He, was, he had water. He had water. Oh, he had a little water. bit of water. Mm-hmm. No food. He was. Uh, let's see. He spent more than a day straight like something like 40 hours straight on the top of a hundred foot pole to the point where he was hallucinating trying not to fall off and then when he finally did jump off he jumped into a like a net cardboard boxes a bunch of cardboard boxes like a stuntman i think he like broke a rib or something or it's just the the stuff that he pulls off is crazy pretty wild his new stunt you might have seen it's a youtube original show now so it's going to be hosted by youtube it's called ascension and it's maybe the only one that looks like it isn't going to be Terror. Well, maybe it will be, but <laughs> I mean, there's it's the terrible only, aspects of it. Yeah, it's the one that looks like you'd want to actually try, and that is he's going to be holding onto a bunch of balloons, like so many helium balloons that he actually floats up into the sky, and then he'll be uh, parachuting down. But there are so many other little twists uh-huh. that it's uh, it's still, you know, when you when you get up to a certain height, suddenly the air gets thinner and it gets colder, and there's yeah. all these other things to consider. But if you if you look at these these tests he's doing and the training he's doing for it, it is really interesting. It looks really cool. I mean, imagine like the poster for Up, but instead of a house, there's a person hanging from the bottom of it. It's pretty exactly. It's pretty beautiful to like see the what it looks like and how it's how... extremely photogenic. Exactly, it's yeah, a bunch yeah. of colorful balloons. Mm-hmm. It's a guy with one arm holding onto it. Yeah. Like you're like, oh, that silhouette is so cool. Much nicer to look at rather than him being like encased in ice for 60 hours or whatever or holding his breath until he's blacking (laughs) out and convulsing underwater yeah it's it's pretty crazy so that's uh it's all on his youtube channel so if you Mm -hmm. want to check it out he's doing not only is the teaser for the whole stunt live but he's doing these like behind the scenes videos leading up to it where he's like demoing the balloons and demoing the tech and demoing like he, he has to go up to a certain altitude without an oxygen mask that's the weird thing is it's david blaine he's he's kind of really into pushing his body to the limit of like, if he wants to go up there and be the silhouette of a boy holding balloons, he can't have like a, a parachute and an oxygen mask. Yeah. So he's not gonna have a parachute or an oxygen mask. He's gonna have those up in the balloon with him, but he's gonna not use them until he needs them. So he's gonna be floating up there, yeah. trying not to black out while the yeah. air gets thinner. I like, sh- my palms are sweating, like thinking about just yeah. the beginning of that, um, or the whole <laughs> thing, yeah, yeah. Um, he also, if you want to learn more about that and more about just David Blaine in general, because I I think while all of his stunts are really crazy, when you get to hear the backstory behind stuff and how much he trains for them is wild. So his uh, he was on Joe Rogan recently right. promoting this, and it's a great podcast. It is wild to listen to and probably one of the most entertaining Joe Rogan podcasts I've ever listened to that's that's got to be top 10 for me I feel like I have like a power rankings in my head of like hot ones episodes and (laughs) uh Joe Rogan podcasts and I think Neil deGrasse Tyson is in my top five for both of those of them (laughs) which is amazing but yeah that was a that was a great podcast so definitely we'll put that in the show notes and give that a listen um so Ascension that's content I liked but did you have anything you wanted to shout out I don't think I have it I guess we're going right into yeah let's just go straight into all right uh, perfect okay well First, a waveform recap. So this, yeah. is a, this is actually something super, I guess we didn't necessarily expect to give this a shout out, but in a previous waveform episode, we had Craig Federighi on, mm-hmm. and uh, we made a video about it too, but we sort of talked about iPad OS for a bit, and one of the random feature suggestions I brought up was, 
you know how you can't interact with Siri and then the content behind Siri while Siri yeah. stays up in iPadOS 14 or just iOS 14 at all? They changed that in the newest beta of iOS, specifically iPadOS 14. Yeah. When Siri comes up in the corner, you can keep scrolling behind Siri. And just like we suggested in that podcast, to dismiss Siri, you just swipe it away. And so that, it, you know, Craig did say they, they built it both ways and they were mm-hmm. thinking about like whether you want to just have Siri disappear on its own yeah. or have you manually dismiss Siri. Uh, but they did make that change and a lot of people seem to be enjoying it already. Yeah, I think even when we first made the, did the interview, that was probably one of the most talked about things like, oh yeah, that does seem like a pretty simple thing that Marquez is asking. And while I'm sure Apple's thought about it, like just yeah. being seeing that somebody who's kind of a voice of the people, the consumer is bringing it up to somebody that large is uh, people were really hyped about that. And now it coming out seems... Uh, yeah. Seems like they're listening. Yeah. It was funny. My 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 quote tweet about it was like, look, Apple's listening. But it's like, yeah, of course they're listening and uh-huh. they always have been listening, but that doesn't mean they react ever to yeah. what people suggest. Well, and it also is like one person thinks that X company should do this and they don't, and then their first thing is they don't listen to the the people. It's like mm. so many people are going to use that excuse as why something they want doesn't come into a phone, but like all these companies are listening and just because you and maybe a group of your like friends all think something happens doesn't mean that's the majority of people but yeah the, you do, do see the little things here and there that that definitely prove that they are listening and this is a pretty prime example for sure and there's other there's other examples of apple listening and reacting and there's also a million examples of apple clearly listening and not reacting and that's very normal for apple mm-hmm. um, but yeah the the fact is people who work for these companies see a lot of stuff that you might not think they do so it's always fun to see to listen mm-hmm. uh so that's a that's a little waveform update but we did have some videos on the channel i think we'll go back to red komodo yeah so that was the first, first video yeah Ooh, this is a this is an interesting one so uh red is a company that i i've notoriously had a lot of love for like mm-hmm. i just i really love one product that they make and that is their cinema cameras and and actually i have a little bit of update about red codex and final cut pro but I just love red cameras, right? Mm-hmm. And most other people either can't relate or have no reason to like red because they don't use red cameras. So I just have this this weird soft spot in my heart for things red does in cinema. Yeah, they're uh, they're definitely they're priced at a point that's not for the typical consumer. I can say <laughs> that's one way of putting yeah, it. When yeah, when I was in film school, it was like you really cared about film school if you went out and rented a red and shot on it. And most of the people there, it was probably a fun experience, but it was just total overkill for what they were doing and. Yeah. I remember my first day kind of like trying out for this job. You brought me on a shoe in Hoboken for drones and just like handed it to me. And I was like, oh no. (laughs) It was on a monopod like, and it was bulky. It had its big cine lens on it and everything. And I was terrified. And those were harder to use than today's RED cameras. But yeah, they've come a long way. But they've always had this sort of allure in in the space. But that, to be honest, has had nothing to do with why I use it. I really just rented one one day used it, shot the footage, imported it, and I was like, damn, I need this. Mm-hmm. Like, that's really how it started. So, anyway, Red Komodo is Red's newest camera, and it's uh, they've had, you know, DSMC-1, which I think is, what does that stand for? Digital Stills and Media Camera? That might not be it. I've never really thought about it. They sort of name their form factors, and oh, there's like yeah, a first yeah. generation and a second generation. Mm-hmm. This is not a third generation. It's an entirely new form factor okay. for them. So Komodo is a small, like cube, 
baseball sized yeah. four inch by four inch portable camera that's supposed to give you a lot of the benefits of Red's bigger cinema cameras from their tech, but still fuses a lot of the hybrid from the world of like last week we talked A7S and R5, yeah, exactly. a lot of those mirrorless cameras into this camera. So it's a weird like Frankenstein camera, but because of that hybrid, it does have some unique things you don't usually find at this form factor. And it's coming in at 6K, 6 Rand for the price. Yeah. So the big things are it shoots 6K, it's a Super 35 sensor, and you get Red's Color Science and Red Raw. It's uh, You can shoot 4, 4K ProRes. That's sweet. It's global shutter, which you pretty much never find in mirrorless cameras. Mm-hmm. You only really find that in cinema cameras. So that's a big advantage. And then bringing in from the small mirrorless world, you have it's SDI, no HDMI, which is, yeah, I would have liked to see HDMI. That's kind of but, a bummer, yeah. Yeah, just... but you're going to get Canon batteries it shoots to, and... Uh, CFast 2.0 cards, mm-hmm. so you Those don't have to awesome. buy red mini mags or red monitors. We all know how much people love red mini mags. Red so. batteries, but it, like the obviously mini mags got a bad rap, but like it's the whole red ecosystem that is mm-hmm. notoriously expensive and yeah, yeah. doesn't have as much choice as you might like. So now you can use a bunch of different size Canon batteries, or you can hot swap, or you can buy modules, or you can you know use whatever CFast cards you already have, or you want to buy more. Uh, I have a. We used a small HD monitor on top. We have like three different small HD monitors we could use on top. Yeah, so. and it does have its own little monitor on top already. Tiny, um, one. yeah, tiny and not in the best spot in the world. But um, yeah. I, I really do think though the form factor is one of the things we're very excited for because I remember getting Raven and thinking this is smaller. This is going to be really cool. Mm. We can throw it on a gimbal. We can put it on a car. Stuff like that. And while the body was a little smaller, by the time you put a monitor, a lens, a handle, the battery on it, it was it's back almost to a red just camera. as big. Yeah, yeah. So the fact that this has different, like you can put those Canon batteries on it and hot swap them. So you can put very small batteries on it. Yeah. And since you can hot swap it, it doesn't matter as much as long as you have a backup of it. You can put a, a nice smaller lens on it. Like this was, we've had this or I've seen it on a Ronin S, which is which is a small handheld did, gimbal. Did you ever think you were going to put a red on a Ronin S? No, exactly. Yeah. So I think there's two main reasons to get excited for Komodo. One is when you might have gotten excited for Raven, where you're like, oh, this is a less expensive RED mm-hmm. camera. That's like the main number one reason. Six grand for a RED camera is a lot less than you typically spend. Yeah, And that's like your intro into the RED workflow, R3D, all that fun stuff, shooting raw with video and global shutter. It's a cinema camera. Mm-hmm. The other is the smaller form factor, which is like we've been shooting with these much bigger cameras, plus all the modules and the batteries and uh, big lenses and all that. Mm -hmm. And when I wanna shoot like inside of a car or like in uh, just a handheld situation or on a Ronin S like you mentioned, I just have to switch to like a mirrorless camera. And I lose a lot of the, the the global shutter and the R3D and all the fun stuff I love about shooting video to a very capable mirrorless camera, but now I can just keep it all red and that's, that's exciting for me. It's awesome. Do you think with this form factor, you'll finally feel comfortable putting it on like a suction cup on a car? I think I do actually. Yeah? Yeah. It's, I think we can definitely, I've seen, we have friends that I've seen put their Raven on like a gimbal on a car. I think we can yeah. get it with a good enough suction cup just by itself on a car. I think it's not too hard. With a, with a single battery and like an 18 to 35, mm-hmm. I think it weighs just barely more than the a7s that i was shooting with inside the car 
for yeah. Model Y. So I yeah. think we could do it. Um, an- I think another thing that's well, first of all, is Raven completely? Do- Raven's done now, right? I can't imagine. Uh, if it's not officially done, it should be because there's no reason to get yeah, one. Yeah, I can't imagine why you would ever get one. Um, yeah. So I. We talked about this a little bit, um, and it kind of goes back to Raven being this like entry level red. I think it's also very interesting for filmmakers who are doing freelance stuff or like trying to get into this business. There's this weird thing where people are obsessed where like I shoot red and I have a better chance of getting hired because I shoot red because that is just a term people hear. They don't understand that just because you shoot red doesn't mean you're a better filmmaker or yeah, a better cinematographer because of it but it's huge we we had austin and tice who used to live uh work next to us in the studio and they bought a raven because at for marketing for their business saying they could shoot red helped them out yeah and, it is a big deal and and in the freelance world that has a pretty big impact where mm-hmm. you're able to say like and certain clients don't even Maybe not. Maybe they know, but maybe they don't necessarily know what they're requesting when they're asking for something to be shot 4K or yeah. shot on red. But when you're able to offer that, you can satisfy more clients' needs and charge better rates. Exactly, so. charging better rates, so then you're getting. And the fact that now, entry level for Komodo is what half the price of what Raven was. Raven was like 15. Uh, after the whole package, yeah. So it's yeah. 6K for just the just the Komodo okay. and the adapter. So but not yeah. half, but like two. Th- thirds of the price yeah it's, you're getting cheaper and now you can charge more it's yeah it's very interesting for a lot of different people i think so I, you know that's maybe the most niche thing that we talked about on the channel but for me one of the most exciting and i think a lot of creators we probably of were oh, into yeah. that too yeah, so yeah. we shot that whole video on komodo if you want to see test footage that was that then i guess we go galaxy nope 20 that's what it is. And you're not hearing that wrong, by the way. This not poor audio. That's not. It wasn't a just, typo. It wasn't. The, yeah, we didn't really confuse that. Yeah. So I, I really, I just favorited a tweet or I think it was actually a top comment on the video. But there is something called. Let me find, let me pull it up sure. exactly because it had a had a name. So in the video, I talked about how it seemed like Samsung was confused about whether they wanted to make a high end phone or a low-end phone, mm-hmm. and, and we'll get into that. But the top comment that I liked says, Samsung wasn't confused. They're using what economists call the decoy effect. People's perception of value is always relative to something. So when you have a similar phone with way less features but only a slightly smaller price, the more expensive phone suddenly looks like a way better deal. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Samsung, what he's saying is basically Samsung didn't really expect to sell a lot of Note 20s, Yeah, but that, that common perception is they just made this to sell more Note 20 Ultras. Yeah, I think even, like, you're not the only reviewer who's talked poorly about this device. I think almost everyone's came come to the same conclusion that, like, this is way too expensive for such a cut down on uh, specs and hardware and everything like that. Right. And... But if you really think about it, Samsung's not risking a lot here. They're going to sell more of the higher-priced phone. Mm-hmm. If they sell the lower-priced phone, the margins on it are probably even better. So they're still mm-hmm. going to make a lot of money on that. And then, honestly, everyone who's reviewing this, if you look up Note 20 reviews, the first things that are probably going to come up are the Note 20 Ultras, and you're going to see really good reviews on it because it's a great phone. Fact. So, like, they're not risking a lot here. The Note 20 is still a great phone. It is just too expensive. And when Samsung inevitably drops it $250 in, like, three months or there's a BOGO deal on T-Mobile or Verizon, true. it's going to be a good phone. And But just we have to take it as a $1,000 phone 
and it feels way too expensive for what it is. Yeah. So my suggestion was like, so when I reviewed it, it, it was like, you know, is it a high-end phone? Well, it's a Samsung Galaxy Note, so yeah, it's high-end. And it's got a Snapdragon 865 Plus, so yeah, it's high-end. But then as you get on the rest of the list, you're like, it's plastic, so I guess it can't be high-end, right? It's 1080p, 60 hertz. Oh, it's definitely not high-end. And then it has mm-hmm. less RAM, and it has less storage, and it's no longer expandable storage, and it doesn't have reverse wireless charging, and it doesn't have the same uh, latency improvement as, you know, the more you go down the line, the more it gets cut down, and you realize, oh, this is not really a premium high-end mm-hmm. phone. And so my suggestion was either don't charge that premium price, which, you know, it's easy to tell any company it's too expensive, yeah. but or just commit to a cut down phone for mm-hmm. less money and make I said go for the Snapdragon 765G and just make it a $700 note. Just yeah. attack that whole $700 price point by offering a Samsung Galaxy Note at that lower price. I think that would have actually been probably the better move. I I think so too because we've mentioned before that as much as a lot of us think the S Pen's a gimmick, there are people out there who live and die on that S Pen and they use it for work and I don't if the S Pen's the main feature, I don't think they mind as much about all the other stuff. Like, yeah. They want that instant gratification of being able to be in front of a client, take a picture of something and then instantly show them the changes they can make to that and that's very important for their work. So, yeah. Uh, an S or a Note 20 Lite would be awesome because they don't need all the power and 120 yeah. hertz screen and whatever. I almost wonder, do you remember the, was it like the S8 Rugged edition uh, where it like came with a- Active. Active, yeah, yeah, yeah. Imagine a, I mean, I think that would start bumping the price up again and kind of be pointless, but like, yeah, I, I don't know why they're not aiming this towards the people who don't care about specs, but just really, really want a pen. Yeah, it's weird because when you cut down so many other specs, it becomes clear that this is for a person who doesn't care about specs, mm-hmm. and then you put the Snapdragon 865 Plus in it. Yeah, like... You, you could you could easily put not the highest end mm-hmm. chip, and people who don't care about specs would be fine. And I like what you said earlier, I think before the podcast, which is you still get big screen stylus. Yeah. You still get like what That's you're what really here want. for. So... Yeah, I think that would have been, I think that would have killed. I think a $700 765G Note 20 Lite, Note mm-hmm. 20E, whatever you want to call it. You could even just call it the Note 20, whatever. Just but 700 bucks, I think that would have killed. But instead, what we got was a little bit of a confused $1,000 Note 20. I'm very curious to see how fast this one gets discounted. Because there's, yeah, always, a, exactly. there's always a path towards like Samsung lowering prices mm-hmm. over time. That's a thing that like, I really think if you're looking at the Note 20 right now and you think it's great, you want a big, you're looking for a new phone with a big screen and an S Pen. If you don't want to go back to Note 10, like buy discounted now, just wait like three months. It will get discounted. Yeah. Or look for a carrier deal or something like that. You'll you'll definitely find one. Trade one in. I think Samsung actually has a really good trade in program. So. Yeah. And I also have I have one correction from the video. So at the end, I mentioned like, all right, I will recommend this phone to people who want to get a phone with a stylus right now and just have the thousand dollars and don't want to get a note 10 because samsung's just promised that they're going to give three major android updates to their new flagships yeah and when i read that i didn't see it included note 10 and i assumed it began with s series it does actually include note 10 it does Yeah. so i think now (laughs) there's even less of a reason to get this note 20 because you still get those promised three major software updates with a note 10 with, yeah. a, with a lower price, big screen, stylus, you still get all that. 
it's not the 865 plus but hey we're talking to people who don't care as much about specs grab the note 10 grab that note 10 yeah so that's where we're at i also wonder they have like the a series and the j series right have they ever Mm -hmm. like why don't they just put an s pen in one of those I think can they have like a cheap cheap S Pen model? I mean it's still going to be more expensive than I don't know what. Where I like A21 is that the Yeah, there's been a lot of conversation about whether the Note or whether this the S Pen should be exclusive to the Note because okay. we have the Galaxy Tab and that's got the S Pen and then the only phone that they put the S Pen with is the Galaxy Note. But then there's rumors that the Galaxy S21 might have an S Pen or S Pen support or something like that. If that happens, then the Note just has to As soon as that happens, the Note is no longer that special for having the S Pen. And I don't necessarily see Samsung doing that, but it's definitely rumored and if that happens, yeah, it's weird because that opens the door for like, well, I guess I don't really need a Note anymore. I can just take take notes on an S21. So I don't know. If they're doing S Pen exclusive to Note, they have to just make a cheaper version. And it's weird because they did that Note 10 Lite that I believe wasn't available in the US and was released like four or five months after. So why not just add that to your lineup off the bat? The exclusivity of the S Pen to the Note is the main reason you can go, you know, hard with Note stuff and people will still pay for it. Because if you had, you know, an S Pen available for the Galaxy S series, Note 20 would be a pointless phone. Yeah, it would be completely you would just pointless. Really, really have to like boxy phones in order. <laughs> I just to buy want a over. boxier version that's yeah. more expensive in plastic. Yeah, that would <laughs> that would be a f- and sixty hertz because you know all the S series is one twenty. That would be truly amazing, but I don't think that's happening. So we'll keep an eye on it. Uh, but that is the Note twenty and the Nope twenty title that we of course <laughs> had some fun with the thumbnail with. Uh, that was fun. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk all about the Surface Duo and some other stuff that came up this week. We'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Support for Waveform comes from Coda. So it can be tough to stay organized when your team is spread across time zones. With Coda, you can help keep your whole team on the same page with an all-in-one collaborative workspace that brings together the best of documents, spreadsheets, and apps into one platform. That means less time ping-ponging between different tabs and tools and more time on your projects. 
So with Coda's extensive planning capabilities, you can stay aligned when managing planning cycles and while measuring objectives and key results. Plus, you can access hundreds of templates and get inspired by others in Coda's gallery. So over 50,000 teams across the world collaborate with Coda, from the New York Times to Square, uh, from Toast to TED and Uber. So if you want a platform that enables and empowers your team to collaborate effectively and focus on shared goals, you can get started with Coda today for free. You can head over to coda.io slash wave. So that's coda, C-O-D-A dot I-O slash wave to get started for free. Coda.io forward slash wave. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. All right, we're back. And I brought back with me a mm. piece of hardware. Did you hear that? That's some... I think the closing on that is fascinating. That... It sounds so soft, <laughs> like, uh, I don't know. Is it weird that, is it bad that you're just like semi-slamming two pieces of glass together? It is a, the, okay, I'll just back up. This is the yeah, Surface Duo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm holding I'm holding a Microsoft Surface Duo, and uh, that was our last video pre-podcast, and it's really just all about the hardware, and I focused yeah. intensely on the hinge because I think it's the most important part of this device. Uh-huh. And yeah, it's got this this soft 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 close. I don't know how to describe it. It sounds it's a like really you're nice. closing like two pieces of felt onto each other right. or something. It's Even though I'm slamming two, two pieces, pieces of, glass. of gorilla glass together, yeah, it is it is a great hinge. Let me just start with that. It is an <laughs> amazing hinge. Now there is there is you know future embargoes, and we'll have the full review when we're allowed to talk about all the software stuff. Mm-hmm. But what I addressed in my video, which is just an unboxing and an initial hands-on, is I think Microsoft knows that this hardware is amazing. And when you get all those initial videos out of people gushing over and loving the hardware, that's a great way to sort of quiet the eventual realization that this is uh, this is not a great software experience. I feel like it might be tough. So they've also really talked about how much they like the software experience, so I guess in terms of speed and, and yeah. all the specs on it more so, like there's a chance that they could really pull through this and show like the software is optimized really well to fix it, but I, right. we'll I talk I about mean, more what. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I just mean there's a lot more to the story. Like yes. when you, so the embargo or, specifically is it's a hardware impressions you're allowed to do and yes. you can't even turn it on on camera. Mm-hmm. So it's just gonna be about hardware. And the second you turn it on, I'm thinking, okay, what's gonna happen? You're gonna see the bezels, you're gonna realize there's no camera on the back, you're gonna have the last year specs, all this stuff is gonna suddenly be remembered about it. But when you just focus on this incredible hardware, it is so fun, yeah. it's so cool, when, I when love you, this. When you just cover the surface of it, it's uh, pretty. Huh. <laughs> I see what you did there. Um, but that's that's really where we're at. So right off the bat, I my, in, my interesting like future plan prediction for Surface is that it eventually does become a folding screen foldable, mm-hmm. but right now they don't want to spend all that extra money on this sort of first gen, second gen tech of a folding display. Yeah. So they focus on, this is a dual display, dual screen tablet, 
There's mm-hmm. a bezel in the middle. They're fully embracing that, and they're leaning into it. Look at all this dual dual screen stuff you can do. This multitasking. Yes. Pain left, pain right, one or the other. Like all this stuff is, you know, they're they're leaning into that, and then you end up with this much thinner, sleeker, more impressive form factor. And combine that with an incredible hinge, and this has like its own selling point now. There's like a reason to go for this over like a Galaxy Fold or a Xiaomi folding phone that's potentially better suited than this would be for yeah, you. Yeah, it and it's also it's like hard to compare them, but you have to just understand that like this is still a crazy form factor and should be in that just kind of like wild first genish like quote-unquote revolutionary like form factor for a cell phone it might not have the screen that physically folds but it is still bringing you things that no other folds bringing you um i had a big problem with people saying well just look at the lg like second screen case this is the same thing but Uh, it is not it is far yes you got two screens on lg and i also think lg is great because it gives you two screens for almost no money comparatively it's also an optional accessory that you can remove at any time which is a big difference Mm -hmm. so if you want the possibility of sometimes getting a lot more done with tools with dual screens then you would go for something like that but if you want to always have dual screens and have to work around that sometimes then you look at something like a foldable yeah and you're adding a ton of extra bulk onto it from that like if you're looking at this as just two screens next to each other and not really like thinking about the the form factor and how they're doing the hinge and how they're doing the hardware and how thin they have made this. I think the thinness is something people just do not understand and it is extremely impressive. I think someone said it's one millimeter bigger than a regular S20 laying down. Yeah, so if you have a, if you have a USB-C port in your life somewhere, which, mm-hmm. you know, if you're listening to Waveform, I hope you do. I hope you have a USB-C port. Take a look at the USB-C port and that actual port is about the thickness maybe a millimeter less than the thickness of the actual tablet on one side so fold it in half you get two times the usb port that's the whole thing folded up and that is an awesome thinness you're talking about the metal part of the usb yeah because of the port i have a usb-c plugged in right now and the plastic that you grip to pull it out is literally going over both edges it's thicker than the actual it is each side of this phone is thinner than the outside of a USB-C cable. All it's of that, thin. it's so sick. And that's that's only possible because they've gone with two screens instead of one folding screen. You can fold it flat and you have a 360 hinge now. So a couple other like initial impressions, and I talked about all these in the video, it is glass. And I think a lot of people, when they look at a surface that is like white like this, they mm-hmm. think of all the surface laptops and the magnesium, yeah. the metal chassis, this is, uh, is glass, Gorilla Glass on the front and the back. Uh, this hinge on the back looks pretty dark in some angles of the video, almost like it's dark gray, but really it's just like a like a silver type of look. I would kill for it to be black because it, it be looks sweet. so good in those like shots where it's t- hitting a shadow and just looks, when that and the logo look black and it just looks like white and black, it looks super, super clean. Yo, low key. With a D-brand skin on this, this might this this is like perfectly flat. Like this is the perfect device. It'd probably to, be their like easiest, like easiest skin, yeah. right? So this is that's gonna be fun. <laughs> um, you have all the buttons on the right hand side. You have your power volume rocker. You have a actually, I think this is kind of sweet. You have the thumb, the 
fingerprint scanner you have the fingerprint scanner but it's also like a little bit indented and that actually serves as like a little bit of a a little indention to like open it. Yes. Yeah, so you if can you're like gonna, dig your hand in there. If you can imagine like every single laptop has that very small yeah. uh, like crevice so that you can fit a fingernail in and lift the screen up. Right. This has that. And right. it's the fingerprint scanner as well. So I think that's well thought out. Um, there's a couple other things. There is only one camera. This is maybe the, the, the part we're most <laughs> concerned about when we start using it. There's only one camera. It's the selfie camera on the inside. And there is no main camera on the back. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I think they thought a, a long time about this. I, do you remember when we were first seeing the Surface Duo with Panos and he was explaining it to us and he mm-hmm. pulled one out of his pocket? It was matte black. And I remember it had a camera bump on the back. It might even be in our video. I don't remember that part ex- exactly. I remember pulling it out. I don't remember the camera on it. I, But I can we can see why a camera bump yeah. is not... It, it might even be in some other places on the internet, but you uh-huh. can definitely find old Surface Duo prototypes with a camera bump on the back. I think they they really thought about the fact that people are going to put this down on a table yeah. and, and use it flat because the hinge will let you do that. That's mm-hmm. a whole like mode that they have a lot of people like typing in and interacting with it like a mini laptop. And that would be terrible if you had a camera bump. It would just rock back oh, and yeah, forth it and it would awful. be awful. And that's the number one thing we'd complain about. So Microsoft clearly thought about that. No camera bump on the back. So that just means if you want to take photos now, you have to swivel it out and use the selfie camera on one side and the screen on the other side as a viewfinder. So now you're, it's the opposite of the Zenfone that just came out, the Zenfone 7 Pro. If you guys haven't seen, it's a new Zenfone where they double down on that swiveling camera where the main camera on the back swivels over and becomes your selfie camera. Wow, look at those amazing selfies. Yeah. This is the opposite where your selfie camera swivels out and becomes your main camera Wow, look at those garbage photos. That that comparison this morning when you first said it had me dying. I, it was right. so funny, and it's just so funny because everything we praised, we were like, wow, the Zenfone might t- take the best selfie pictures because it's using its main shooters for it. Right. And it's like, imagine if any other phone came out and said, oh, we're going to take the selfie camera, and when you want to take a normal picture, it's going to flip over and take be your main shooter. Like It would be crucified. It's if- rough. The thing is, it's so thin, there's almost no way for them to put like a full size, mm-hmm. you know, big, optically stabilized, good camera in this form factor. Yeah. I think even in the next gen, if they keep it this thin, they have to do the same thing. Selfie camera swiveling out. And that's something we'll have to think about. Like, are people who are buying this yeah. going to care about that bad camera experience? Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll I, see. Do you know what that? So I kind of wanted to do something a little different here and that. I think that brings up one of the comments I saved, but uh, I've mentioned a lot of times of how Reddit is one of my favorite and one of my least favorite places on the internet because it can be really great or it can be really terrible sometimes. But every time a new kind of like revolutionary device comes out that people haven't seen before, Reddit is a great place for conversation about it. So Can I just say, uh some of my favorite comments on the internet, because I've seen so many tweets and so many Instagram bot comments and so many Mm -hmm. YouTube comments, some of my favorite comments on videos are like someone on Reddit stumbling across a video for the first time and he's never seen an MKBHD video and you can tell, those are some of the most insightful comments I think I ever Mm -hmm. read on a regular basis. So thanks to those people. Yeah, we, I mean, we, I read religiously every single comment thread of every one of our videos and oh nice okay it's sometimes the worst but most of the time there's a lot of really really good feedback but 
people are very open to new concepts on Reddit, at least, or to talk about them uh, mm-hmm. relatively nicely. So this was something I'm like, let's pull some Reddit comments, see what other people are thinking other than us. Okay. Uh, so I saved a couple, and I think this one actually... Uh, Should we respond to them? Or yeah, just read let's them? respond to them. Uh, I'm going to read it, and we're going to respond to it, but I think this one's relevant to what we just talked about, and you saying how many people are going to use the camera. Is this what people are looking for? And um, someone wrote... This seems like the next iteration of the BlackBerry, much more of a business-oriented phone, less of a casual use. You can already do so much with phone-sized apps. Just imagine what you could do with all that, plus more real estate without sacrificing portability. Mm. So I think that's like, I think that's really interesting. We are seeing BlackBerry potentially coming back. But yeah, you could even... Other than that. I think this is, so this is Microsoft, right? Yes. And every time you watch a Microsoft presentation or see a new Microsoft product, it's it's targeted towards a slightly different demographic than like your everyday For sure. regular user. Meaning when you see them demo their Surface earbuds, they talk about how you can swipe forward not to adjust to the next song, but to go to the next slide in your PowerPoint mm-hmm. presentation. Like when you see that, that's how that's how they're thinking when they're making these products. So when I see, you know, a new Surface laptop or a new Surface Duo like this, I'm thinking of that same customer who is a productivity machine. Yeah. And I'm not thinking so much about the dude who has an iPhone right now or the girl who has a BlackBerry, not a BlackBerry, the girl who has mm-hmm. a, an LG Velvet, whatever, and is looking for their next like everyday phone. So it's a different it's a different customer base. And I think yeah. BlackBerry is actually, a, a, probably from this comment, a, a pretty apt comparison because BlackBerry also is very specific in who they're targeting, which is mm-hmm. people who type a lot on their phone mm-hmm. and need to want a physical keyboard at the expense of all the other good things about a phone, yeah. you will add that thing because that's your your niche. So yeah, I'd say that's a good observation to whoever wrote that comment. I, I just think it's uh, it's still yet to be seen what this whole portable or foldable world becomes. And maybe I, maybe this ends up being a I think it has niche. like more potential than BlackBerry was like, hey, you type a lot because you're on your phone all the time for business. This has a lot more potential for doing things. I think it has more potential for like going to a like door to door kind of stuff where you're going to a client's office and you have to show them different things. And yeah. maybe like this is a way you can quickly show someone or out in the field you can show someone something. Mode. Yeah. Productivity on this like has potential to be really great if you flip it up kind of like laptop mode and can type way quicker. Uh, it has a lot of things, and I can totally see this being like, oh, there's someone with a Surface Duo that that guy works a lot, that that girl works a lot. Like they're they're full business ninety percent of the time. That camera is probably being used for reference photos or maybe like a like a Skype call or, or some sort of business video call. So Yeah, honestly, this camera is going to be used more for, for video calls. Stuff like that. I still, though, one one thing that I it has that I don't agree with in that is I'm assuming if you're out all the time, you probably need a good battery life, and we haven't been able to test it, but looking at the numbers, what, 36? 35, 77 milliamp hour battery, 8-inch screen. Not what you want to hear if you're... yeah on the go all the time. So we'll see how that goes. And there's no wireless charging, so you can't exactly top up quickly unless you have the plug, but yeah, that's a good comment. I like that one. Yeah. Uh, All right, another one. Uh, It is remarkable how inelegant the Galaxy Fold looked in comparison to the Duo in the video, almost (laughs) three times as thick, and the plastic screen with a bump in the middle. I did, yeah. And that's why I think, yes, okay, very good comment. That's why I think Microsoft can lean into this for a while is because Mm -hmm. 
Samsung and everyone who's building around this foldable screen thing is taking this one awesome idea of a folding screen and then building a phone around it. Yeah. Which means you got to engineer the hinge around it. You got to engineer the IP, some sort of durability around it. You have to engineer the body around it. And you just have this, at the end of the day, this thick thing with a crease in the middle. But it's like you open it and you're like, oh, well, it does have the screen that folds. Microsoft is doing it a little different where they're focused on folding, but not folding screen. Mm -hmm. So they have dual screens, 360 hinge. And, you know, when the tech eventually matures down the road, see, now that they don't have that crazy thing to work around, they can make this thin, sleek thing. And I agree, it looks a thousand times more elegant. The hinge is way better. It stops at any angle you want. But eventually when the tech, however many years it takes, gets good enough, then you will see Galaxy Fold approach sleekness levels of this, and you will see this approach, you know, slowly, slightly bigger, slightly more functional levels of Galaxy Fold. So. I mean, that kind of knocks into the next comment that I have, and it just says, I'm impressed with how thin it is, only 1.1 millimeter thicker than the S20 Ultra when closed. If they knock down those bezels and put the same modern hardware in the next iteration, this is almost a guaranteed buy for me. That's, I think, what they want you to think when you just look at the hardware. Yeah. You know? Like, when you see all these first impressions, and all of us are, I think we're all pretty much unanimously gushing about how awesome the hardware is. And we're thinking, oh, well, at least, you know, the specs are a little old and maybe they bump those specs up and what do you say? If they knock the bezels the down. The bezels, I think that is a huge. The bezels huge, are pretty big. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think you would you would think if they fix those few things, then it's, it's a guaranteed win. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's the full story. I still think you have to think about the, you know, maybe this person already knows they don't take that many photos and they're cool with the selfie camera being the only yeah, that, camera. It might not be a, something there that's number one on their list of things needed in a phone. Okay. Um, yeah. But I really do think if the bezels were smaller, it would make this phone look automatically 10 times more futuristic. I mean, I'm looking at it now. I didn't notice at first that some of the speakers, there's speakers on the other side kind of on the top, right? Yep. Yeah. So it has the potential to move those bezels way up. If it just had like God, it's so a hole punch uh, camera on one side and it could do the speakers as like that razor thin kind of hole on the top, yeah, it would look amazing. Um, I do think one other thing for me is I would want the width to be maybe 20% mm. thinner because when you are folding it, it is wide. Holding it to your ear That's a big is one. a lot and putting it in your pocket is still a lot even though it's so thin. Yeah, so I'm going to try to speak to that without talking about my software experience so far because that's Mm -hmm. what I'm allowed to say. This is a wide phone. Now, Galaxy Fold, when you think about like opening it up as a square and that's fun to use, when you close it, it is this really tall, narrow like candy bar screen. Mm -hmm. And that seems kind of weird at first, but when you consider the alternate, which is like this passport-sized you know, dimension, it is kind of nice if you'd had a screen on the outside, that would be a pretty good size. But when you... When you open it, you get a much wider screen. Yeah, I think when you close this, the surface is very wide. Mm-hmm. And holding it in the hand, holding it up to your ear, making a phone call with this wide thing. You know, maybe you don't do too many phone calls nowadays, but I think it's just a little bit wide to be uh, a one-handed thing. So I think Samsung obviously thought a lot about that and went a little narrower, but I yeah, think there's we'll an in-between. See. There's got to be Samsung's somewhere. too narrow, although the... F- 
the Z Fold 2 now looks like it might be, at least with the screen, might be a little more on the front. But I, I think there's an in-between. I guess thinking about it, the width, though, when you put it into tent mode or like laptop mode, it feels right. It feels like a perfect size. Yeah. Um, so maybe this one, one screen, this one hand mode is maybe the least often you'll use it. You'll yes. use it mostly as a open thing. So, and then this brings me to my last comment I saved, which fits perfectly in this. I don't know how I, we got all the comments to fit so perfectly in this conversation, but um, <laughs> cool. last person says, it looks like a watch is an essential for this phone and can solve most of its issues. If you pair this with a watch, think mm. about NFC for pay, don't have to pull it out. Think about quick checking like messages, emails, stuff like that. It could turn it into something you don't have to necessarily keep in your pocket. This could be in a bag. This could be in a purse. It could be in anything because if you're just checking your messages on the train, checking to see if someone's calling you. Okay. If you have a watch that solves problems like that, it could knock out, it, I mean, battery life if you're not holding uh, it up as okay. much constantly on your phone. Maybe not every okay. problem, but I think it could solve. People are very upset about NFC for one. Yeah. Um. So you take away pay, types huh. of paying like that. That's uh, a, I, I like that. That's an interesting possibility. I think it does solve a lot of this. So there's no outside screen for glanceable yes, info. That's so that's our main one. So you get the notification on your watch. You mm -hmm. decide if you want to like dig in your pocket and open this huge thing or not. That's fair. Uh, the the battery life one, yeah, we'll maybe see. not. That I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how. I I still don't know how good or bad the battery life is. So we'll figure that one out. I don't know about the camera. You know what's funny oh, is well, you yeah, can sell you can open uh, a viewfinder of the iPhone's camera on the Apple Watch. Did you know that? I I feel like I heard someone tweet. That's a recent update, right? No, no, no. long time, really? long time. You've been able to open up and like use it to snap photos. So okay. if you have your phone across the room, you can line things up and take photos on your watch. That would be kind of funny to see that happen yeah. on the surface, but I still think that's going to be a, a weakness of this. I mm -hmm. think cameras forever will be yeah. weakness. Uh, but yeah, generally, that seems like it would be a good pairing, and I think you can already pair it with some Android watches. Yeah, so. there, there's the problem, though. What Android watches right now are uh, mm. good enough to really compare? If I got to break out that Moto 360 again. I guess. See how that goes, yeah. Yeah, it, it would be interesting. Maybe if Microsoft is making... Uh, hardware like this for this phone, I would love to see them make a smartwatch. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they'd probably have to find some enterprise angle as like a reason. Like, yo, <laughs> yeah. check out this swiping through your keynote, I would, it your PowerPoint. It would make way more sense to swipe through your PowerPoint on your watch than have a giant CD in your ear and yeah. swipe with that. But uh, hmm. yeah, I think that's pretty much all we have listed for this. I, I think my, my main thoughts on this are I think we need to look at this and we need to look at the Z Fold and think how are these two things going to shape foldables in the future? These yeah. are like, these are future shaping products right now. And mm -hmm. I don't think they're for everyone as a first gen, but Definitely. it's really exciting to see what we're going to see soon. Yeah. I think that's reflected by the price. They're both <laughs> yeah, well over a thousand dollars, but they're both, uh, they're going to have the, the early adopters giving lots of valuable feedback and people using these things we'll have much more thoughts on this when we actually review it which is going to be a little bit later you guys will get all our software thoughts all that fun stuff but that's uh that's our little surface duo hardware rant mm -hmm. and and question response to to reddit comments you know what else came out in the last week what's that the nomad base station pro yeah this to me i kind of want to do a whole video on 
just wireless charging in general. So let me just explain what the Base Station Pro is. So throwback to a long time, I don't know how many years ago, but a company goes on Shark Tank and they have this multi-device wireless charging technology where you put a device down on a large pad and the device finds your finds your phone or whatever you put down and can direct voltage to wherever that coil is for maximum efficiency. Mm-hmm. So Fast it's like forward. it's like the Xiaomi charger without physically moving. <laughs> it, yeah. it is it is a high-tech version of the Xiaomi motorizing the coil to be under your device. Mm-hmm. Um, because the coils there's already 18 coils on there. Fast forward, okay, now Nomad Base Station Pro has this technology in it. Uh, this to me is a pretty big step in the direction we need to see wireless charging go to really be worth it, but it's also still not the final step. It's like a big forward step to being past halfway there, I mm-hmm. think. Uh, yeah, I think it's worth a whole video, but it is pretty cool now. So they made a three device wireless charger. Basically, you put a device down anywhere on that leather pad, it finds it and it'll charge it. It's up to seven and a half watts for the iPhone and five watts for anything else. But if you put down some headphones, it'll it'll know it's headphones and give it the two watts it needs. And uh, yeah, I put three phones on it, charged them all three. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. It's kind of almost what Air Power was trying to do, which I also right. find hilarious that Air Era is Air Air A I R A. Yeah. It's called Era Power, Power, yeah. which is hilarious because <laughs> it's basically the exact same thing. Um, it's beautiful. But anyways, like, it makes me wonder though, is if they can pull this off, is the big difference right now? So it cannot charge an Apple Watch, right? Because it's proprietary. Apple watches charging. are not Qi wireless charging, yeah. so it does not charge an Apple Watch. Still, is that what's really messing up Air Power? Yes. Because I think you have to assume Apple could figure this out or just buy this from this company. So I like, think, yeah, it's gotta be whatever the Apple watch thing is for them to want Apple watch to go anywhere. Putting those types of coils on top of the other types of coils is what's completely ruining air power. Hot take, yeah. super hot, spicy take. Uh, and maybe this will be in the video. I think air power can come back and actually exist. And I think to do that, Apple can switch the Apple Watch from it's their proprietary exactly charger. Exactly what I was going to say. To Qi yeah. charging, right? Because basically, Apple, I think, could have made this Base Station Pro. They could, I think 100%. they have the trillions of dollars needed to develop. Or just buy this company. Or, or buy and, Nomad yeah. and buy AeraPower. But yeah, I think Apple could have made a multi-device wireless charger that charges your iPhone and your, your AirPods in, in the wireless charging case and been just fine and they would have had the voltage and they would have been magic and they would have put it on stage like literally put it anywhere on the mat and it'll mm-hmm. charge but because they also wanted to be able to put the apple watch anywhere on the same mat with a different charging technology that's suddenly a bunch more coils yeah that weren't the same as the cheat so now you have like a double double layer i don't even know what kind of pcb you need to do that but clearly neither did apple and it never happened. Mm-hmm. I think if you still want to be able to offer that magic wireless charging experience, you can say, hey, look, we, the tech wasn't up to our standards back then, but now we've switched the Apple Watch and it, it will actually do it. Here's the big downside. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a there's a way to pull this off the Apple way. The downside is every single person who has an, uh, an Apple Watch with their wireless charging like accessories, mm-hmm. none of those will work for the new Apple Watch. Yeah, But I think the Apple way around that is this is our first big redesign of the Apple Watch since the beginning. It's got these 
thinner bezels. It's got this new whatever. We made all these other big changes you guys have been asking for. And by the way, it's Qi wireless charging now, so it'll work with our new wireless charging mat, mm -hmm. air power. Like that's, that's the whole swirl of things that needs to happen. So new Apple Watch design. This is why it's such a hot take, because who knows if they're gonna do all this. But yeah. new Apple Watch design, alongside switching it to Qi wireless charging, alongside bringing back air power, and all these things working flawlessly by October. I think Apple channels are drooling over that <laughs> potential, um, the amount of videos. If, but uh, I've seen, there's some renders, which I think are total mock-ups and not yeah. actually, but like seeing an Apple Watch look like the new kind of iPad, the new iPhone design with the like the sleek bezels, the like flat bezels and having a very like uh, Ooh, no bezels on the actual screen or sides. Actually. The rails are like kind of uh, iPad, new iPhone rails. Okay. Looks really nice. Is it like, circular? I feel like it was like square with rounded edges, which okay. was the mock-up. This is not anything right. that's like actually rumored. These are just really, really cool mock-ups that I really liked. And yeah. then imagine now a white air power mat that looked like that. Yeah. Everything yeah. would just look so unison together and so nice and I would maybe switch to Apple with that. Whoa. Oh, <laughs> okay, yeah. I mean, listen, I the the Oppo watch that came out earlier this year uh -huh. is actually a really good looking like they copied a lot of things from the Apple Watch but then also made it a better looking bigger screen, thinner bezels, like nice looking watch. Um I just I wonder what affect a redesign of the apple watch what ripple effect that has on like all the other smart watches out there do watch people continue to hate on it you remember yes. kevin o'leary i mean that's a hating. different type of watch people but we <laughs> i mean we know people like that too i don't i don't think quinn is big on any smart watches is mm. maybe i mean he's a big apple fan but i know he's into just good looking watches and is very interested in real watches and yeah and i don't think you're ever going to sell those people really interesting um yeah. i think your best bet is like fossil or someone like that making pretty much real watches that also have like a heart rate monitor and stuff like that right um i think that's a real thing the fitbits and the and the pebbles well hold on. Uh, i don't think any watch i don't think any watch people are gonna buy a fitbit for, yeah uh, um but yeah it it's interesting i think the watch category is still one that's kind of wild and and android still hasn't found its stride yet but yeah seeing knowing what apple watch can do I think if it looked nicer, I would be very into it, and I think it would make me okay with a million icons on my home screen and switching to a, an iPhone. Well, you know, iOS 14, you can hide some of those icons now. So. Yeah, it's getting weird. We're, we're pretty we're closing far in. off, uh, <laughs> far off our original topic here. But well, the yeah, the original topic was wireless charging and multi-device wireless charger. Mm -hmm. I just think it. I think this will make a fun video because I can now sort of clearly see the arc of what like I. If I was working in this industry, I'm sure I would have seen this a long time ago. But the arc right now is, what did wireless charging used to be? One device, one coil. There's a coil in, in your phone and a coil in the charger. You line them up, boom, technically that's wireless charging. But also that coil is like attached to a wire. Hmm. And that's like, the, the idea was cool. But as soon as you like bumped it off of the coil it would charge way slower or just stop. And you'd have to find it and line it up again just yeah. right. This is like the beginnings of wireless charging. Then suddenly you have bigger mats, bigger coils, two device wireless chargers, but still it's two coils and you have to line up both of those yeah, coils. Perfect. And if you put your device right in the middle between those two coils, it's not going to charge at all. So it's still, you know, it's, it's smart, but 
the the advance we get is we start to see much faster wireless charging. Yeah. And this coil can get like the, the magnetic field that's changing. I should probably just literally do an explainer. But like when the magnetic field is that direct, you can get, what are we seeing, 20, 30 watt wireless chargers now? Yeah. The, and that's amazing. That's really fast wireless charging, not a ton of heat dissipation because of those coils. But you still have the disadvantage of like if you bump it, you're going two watts. Mm-hmm. You got to go line it up perfectly. So now along comes the multi-device wireless charger. It's it's clearly much bigger and it's clearly much more freedom about where you put it, but it's only going to push five, maybe seven and a half watts if it's compatible because it's it's again eighteen coils and it's a heat thing. But now, so now the the formula is inverted. It's much less power but much more freedom. Instead of having to put it exactly on the coil to get your forty-five watts, mm-hmm. you can just toss it down anywhere and get your five watts. And I think the future which is now much more obvious when you see all of it, is just a huge surface, a whole table, yes, a whole desk, so a whole mouse pad, whatever it's going to be. You just plop it down anywhere, and you get 10 watts. If my desk was like that, I would be so pumped. Just every time I put my phone How down, sweet it would that be? Or a nightstand, it would be amazing. In Starbucks, like the table suddenly like isn't, yeah. it isn't just a little tiny pad. It's just wherever. Just put your phone down. If it supports it, boom, you wireless charge. Like I think yeah. that arc... We're, we're in the middle of that arc right now where we have this this Nomad Base Station Pro where it's technically up to three devices tops, but like it's a big surface. You get that total freedom. There's software controllers deciding where to send the wattage. I think we're halfway there. So Yeah, j- yeah. I, I'm already imagining the conspiracy theories of when whole tables at Starbucks have wireless chargers and the amount oh. of tracking they're going to think people are doing. So Oh, I was think I thought you were going to go towards like the, the radiation of like <laughs> that too yeah. but here's the thing actually is these smart wireless chargers don't have as much passive radiation as the coils because the coils aren't smart the coils are just constantly pulse 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 as soon as they see the magnetic field boom locked yeah but that's just emitting a bunch of just spare energy all the time as it looks for something these uh smart wireless chargers and i think this will also be in the video because there's a great animation for it a bunch of small pulses very 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 small hundreds of times per second but like a tenth of the size of energy and just checking 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 mm-hmm. checking checking sipping power not really checking and as soon as it sees something like a magnetic field it's going oh okay we got a device here what is it lock on charge just that so you could slide down on that table and it wouldn't actually be putting any sort of radiation i'm using air quotes yeah. like through you because it's a it's a high tech it's a high tech system it doesn't need to yeah you're you're assuming people have common sense though so that's uh, i think i think if there's any here's the thing about apple is this company can mm-hmm. deliver messages to people unlike anyone else and if apple is giving you like the this is magic talk on stage they can also include a little bit of the this is not harmful talk mm-hmm. by saying old wireless chargers harmful our new magic wireless charger with blah 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 technology, magic, not harmful. And I'm sure they explain it a little bit more to press uh, and probably get the message out. But I think I think I guess where I'm landing is air power is going back. There it is. It? I like it. <laughs> and I think that's a good place to end that it. That is a good <laughs> air power is coming back. Quote him. Uh, wow. So thanks uh, thanks for tuning into this this episode of Waveform. Listen, we got a whole bunch of feedback uh, about like all sorts of stuff for past episodes and it's been super helpful. So if you guys do want to continue to leave us feedback on Twitter at WVFRM, that's where the Q&A questions come from. 
But uh, yeah, as we do more episodes, we'd love to hear what you guys think. And uh, hopefully we can make these better every time. So mm-hmm. thanks for listening. And we'll catch you guys in the next one. Waveform is brought to you in part with Studio 71. And our intro outro music was created by Cameron Barlow.